Welcome to Untangling Christianity, episode number 35. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. We hope you'll come along for the conversation, and you can be part of that conversation by leaving comments at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash 35. I've been thinking more about this idea of love contrasted with grace and how the two tie together. And I got an interesting thought this week. I want to bounce off of you and see if you have suggestions kind of on where to take it or or how to kind of push it down the road another step. So as I hear you, you related in a previous episode, I want to say it was 33 where you talked about experiencing God's grace and and what that meant to you. And uh, earlier this week, we got an email from a listener. I haven't gotten permission to like read from that email or anything, so I'm not going to, so I'm going to keep it very general. Mm-hmm. So this person was expressing their kind of their life experiences, kind of going way back and how they were had had certain hopes and expectations about what their life was going to be like. And then when their life didn't quite turn out that way, went and and kind of made some decisions on their own and pursued a particular lifestyle. And that didn't turn out so hot. And yet they experienced God continuing to show up for them. And, and really for them, describe this as experiencing God's grace, the idea that God continuing to show up and to be there for them and to provide for them was not something that they felt like they deserved. And this person has an amazing story. So, and I put, Greg, your story kind of in the same camp. And, and that caused me to kind of think about my own story and and my own experiences of life and how I've approached things. And it's probably come out in previous conversations i'm not sure how much but for some reason and and i never went completely i wanted to say crazy that's not the right word and the rules of my tradition and and all my teaching and everything i never i never really like completely just said forget this i'm just gonna go live life on my own terms because the way that that i had understood things was well if you follow all the rules and if you do all the right things then you will know God and God will bless you and that didn't really work out for me and yet for some reason I never completely threw it away either and just went off and did my own thing hmm. so the I guess the the epiphany that I had and I wonder if this also ties into episode 31, where I was quoting from Wayne Jacobson in his book, He Loves Me. I want to speak to a potential minority in the Christian community, which is someone like myself. And someone like myself, who I don't feel like has a radical conversion story or a radical, I was in this really, really bad situation because I made some unfortunate decisions and then God rescued me from it, and because he rescued me from it, I saw him and I experienced him. I experienced his grace. So this feels all, all rather jumbled and disjointed, so hopefully people are still <laughs> able to follow along. What I'm trying to get to here is the epiphany I had for myself was, 
and why I, I so enjoy talking to you is the message of love wakes, makes way more sense to me than the message of grace. Because the message of grace has to start with you're a piece of crap. Like there's something wrong with you. You've done a bunch of bad stuff. And because you've done this bad stuff, then you can experience God saving you from it. Isn't God amazing? Isn't it great that we have God because we have grace? As opposed to a different direction, which I feel like you've kind of helped spin things, Greg, which is grace is an aspect of love, but love is the primary thing. And that was different for me because I thought, oh, well, because I guess the stuff also tangled up in grace for me is this idea that that we all have this horrible stuff that we've done or horrible people that we are. And so because of that, we need God's grace. And I guess like I was saying a little earlier ago, I have a hard time looking at my life and, and seeing anything really, really horrible that I've done. Now, <laughs> some people, <laughs> now maybe my wife would differ. Um, <laughs> or other people looking at my life would say, well, actually, if if you examine this situation, you know, that was a, that was really a horrible thing you did there. I guess that's been, I feel like this is one of the stumbling blocks that's, that's, that's gotten in my way of completely getting it, which is the approach of focusing on how bad you are to then realize your need for God. And I'm not saying whatsoever that the email we got this week is in that camp at all. I think that's a completely different experience and a completely different path than the one that I'm on. But it also mm-hmm. just kind of showed me the contrast between the two and just made me wonder, like, okay, so, hmm. That's about as far as I got. So any is any of that resonating with you? Does it make any sense? Yeah. Where would you, what, what, what do you think? Well, you know, I, you said a lot, and, and I think you know, when you said that it was disjointed or jumbled, I mean, you've got a lot there. So it's hard to kind of lay all that out in a way that's all interconnected. I think it's more web-like than it is, you know, some sort of a sequence. Um, but um, the last point you made when you said that, you know, the the idea that, you know, you've got to see how bad you are to, to kind of... That grace almost... Um, shows up better in relief that it shows up better in relief as it were against the picture or image or description of how bad you are and i guess as i'm thinking about my own situation um you know which is the one i know best i think it wasn't for me about and and i guess where i'm going the reason i'm i'm bringing myself into this is because i too am in the position where Grace is not a focal point. I mean, I, I, as I brought out a couple weeks back, uh, I do understand grace. I have had this this moment when I was talking about this this particular piece of writing when I feel like that of all the years of writing I've done of that type, literally hundreds, I had this one sense where it was an interaction, actually an interaction, almost a dialogue with God. And God was God was like I was like I was scribing down God's response to my years and years of, you know, angry response. It, 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 was, it was what I considered to be grace. But I think what I needed and what 
I think we all need, and I, and I, I think this is the, the, the drum I've been beating all the way through, and I've been doing it, you know, unabashedly and, and very constantly, is uh, this reality that we need love. We are born needing connection, seeking connection, wanting belonging, desiring attachment. And I think there's something to the idea that there's a jarring sense. Grace has, in its realization, there's a sense of jarring. There's a sense of discontinuity that often accompanies it. And I think maybe that's where you're going when you talk about people, you know, seeing how bad they are seeing the, th- the really terrible things they've done wrong, and seeing in contrast God's response. And so there's something of this jarring contrast that seems to accompany experiences of grace. I would wonder about that. I think that's probably more the case than not. Whereas I think for love, uh, for love, it's, you know, I, th- I, I was certainly overwhelmed but I was overwhelmed not because I received what I didn't deserve, but because I received what I needed but thought was impossible. Wow. That is exactly the contrast I want to lay out. Not that I received what I did not deserve, but I received what I desperately needed but was impossible. Ooh. That's so subtly different, but also, yes, yes, so different. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to take away from either. I would say in, if I am in a position where I see myself as being thoroughly undeserving of God's love, I will experience God's grace. Why? Because I will, uh, I, I'm not in a position where I'm even able. It's like when you and I had that conversation. I think we've just, uh, just a podcast or two ago about, the idea of, you know, Christians feeling like they're undeserving of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And then when we put it in the parent-child relationship, and, you, and I said to you, listen, imagine your kid's in the middle of the road, a car's coming on fast, you manage to grab your child and, and, and you know, fall to the sidewalk, and you're both there, and your child looks at you and said, you know, Daddy, I didn't deserve that. <laughs> and you're like... That's so kid? absurd. <laughs> it's absurd. It's like it's it's so out of context and so unrelated. It's so impossible, right? In the context of a parent-child relationship, that simply is a nonsensical notion. If you're in the position where God's love is completely nonsensical to you, then yeah, I think that's going to come about first by way of grace. What is that grace? That grace is an expression of love, a mode of expression of love. It is pardon. It is gift. But why pardon? Whence? From what source is the gift? From love. And I think ultimately the purpose of grace is to habituate us to being in a love relationship with God. First of all, to accepting God's love as love, so we see ourselves as deserving. Second, to be able to give that love back so that we see ourselves as capable we are capable of being rightly related, which means being really related to God and to ourselves. One of the things that's crucial for brain development in very young children is this, uh, you know, in technical terms, this serve and return like tennis. The parent serves, the child returns and vice versa. The child can reach out to the parent in certain ways, you know, and the parent will acknowledge the child, whether that's in moments of sadness, 
fatigue, excitement, happiness, hunger, all these different ways. And God is looking to inculcate that within us, this serve and return behavior. But the, the, it, in our case, in this case, it always gets initiated by God. You know, not, not every, every time for service is God serving. I call it to God. I, I, and I offer up moments of excitement, moments of joy, moments of surprise, moments of happiness, moments of thankfulness. Right? It's not all negative when I'm initiating contact with God. But that initial contact is always coming from God. And whether that we perceive that as grace, whether we perceive that as love, um, we might perceive it as, as, a, as another form of love. It might come to us through an expression of mercy, an expression of forgiveness. Um, right? And of course, there's always truth involved. Truth is this notion that God knows me better than I know myself. And it is there to establish what? To establish trust. Trust why? Trust because God has my best interest at heart because God knows me better and loves me more than I do myself. So it's this, this is the overarching context. And once we have this context, then we're, we can, we can be in a relationship where there is trust, where there is obedience, where there is care, where there is love, where we feel at ease, where we, we become more and more who we truly are, where we like ourselves. You know, and I think liking myself and loving myself are incredibly important. You know, they're one of the things that contribute to uh, a sense of well-being, uh, a sense of peace, no, not anxiety, the ability to sleep well at night. You know, these things are small things in one way, but people pay oodles and oodles of money. You know, if I don't like myself, I'm not at ease with myself. I'm constantly seeking ways to meet needs within me through false means. I eat too much. I, I, I stay up too late. I don't go to bed. I disregard my body. Uh, I don't exercise. I do a whole bunch of things. I, I, can, I can be involved in drugs. I can be involved in crime. I can do a lot of things to try to meet certain needs. And I'm not saying everybody who participates in activities that, in which they shouldn't or participates excessively in activities that are generally good activities do so for the basis of meeting a specific need and they're meeting it the wrong way. I don't think it's entirely that way, but I think it's mostly that. On a large scale, I think it's that. You know, there may be other psychological, biochemical issues that, that don't necessarily have to do with, you know, um, a need for love or a need for belonging. Uh, but I think those are the big drivers. You know, those are our go-to points or in terms of, you know, if something's not working, I think that's the first place to look and ask yourself some questions. So, yeah, I think that that love is, um, for me, what I knew I needed, what I desperately wanted, but what was impossible. And I think what God is trying to make clear to us and to give to us in a way that we clearly recognize it as such is that God deeply loves us. God does not randomly love us. God's not this sort of out there, whatever goes, do whatever you like, be whoever you are, whatever, whatever goes, I just love you. It's not like that. God knows me intimately. God has a sense from that deep knowledge of what my best, what is in my best interest. So that when God is, when I'm getting a sense, whether through reading and understanding the Bible about the character of Jesus, and that is a character I want to emulate while maintaining my own personality and distinctiveness. 
while maintaining my own sense of responsibility for my actions and developing a sense of creativity around how I implement that character. But that character is something I want to, I want to develop. I want to acquire. Why? Because it's in my best interest. Why? Because God knows me. God knows me better than I know myself. And so it's this process of trusting and of testing, right? Develop that, develop some of that character. Live your life that way. See how that goes. You know, and it's not always straightforward. It's tricky and, and involved. And in this way, this is one of the reasons we need community because we need people to bounce this stuff off of. We need people to say, hey, you know, I'm just working with this idea of honesty and I know that honesty is important to God. And here I am in this situation, in this situation, in this situation, and I'm honest and look, it backfires in my face. You know, I just don't like honesty anymore. <laughs> well, you know what? That's darn honest. Good for you. <laughs> I like what you're saying about community and figuring things out. So, okay, so it seems to me that there's, well, there's probably more than two paths, but the two paths that, that I'm seeing that we've kind of laid out here are love, and and that is a, the pathway to God, or grace. Now, why, and again, I, I'm... I'm really wanting to talk about this because I'm guessing there's like one other person, at least one other person in the world like me coming from my background or something like it that is sitting in the similar chair that I am that maybe is feeling stuck to. And I'd like to try to help them. So what's your response to the perspective that says, no, grace is the better path to go that you need to really, you know, really reflect and figure out how bad you are so that you'll realize how much you need God. Like, why why is that? What makes that an empty path or an unproductive path as opposed to focusing more on, hmm, how like, like you've challenged me in previous conversations about, you know, well, how, how have you experienced love in other relationships and what does that look like to you and exploring that as a pathway? How bad are you? I mean, from... I'm not perfect. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not holding that out, you know, but this is interesting. Yeah, because it, it quickly turns into, well, I've never murdered anyone, so I'm not that bad. But have I ever offended someone? Absolutely. Have I hurt people's feelings? Yes. Have I dropped the ball in important relationships? Totally. See, I guess I guess I wouldn't say it's the wrong path. I'm not trying to make a comparison between constructive. Well, I guess uh, I'm going to cut against myself here. I guess I'm going to say, for some people, maybe the grace path is the way to go in that. But I, I just don't feel like it's the path for me. Now, maybe it is. I don't know. Well, I think you're. I think you hit it. That for some people, it, it's it's it's. I don't know that I would say that it's it's the right path. I mean, I guess what I would say is when I when I look at it from a. It's a path. It's a path. <laughs> now we're starting to sound scandalous again. There's multiple paths to God, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think it's important that grace is a subset of love, not the other way around. And yes, and that was the big epiphany to me in this crucial. whole... That was the big epiphany to me in this whole kind of back and forth was, was wow, yeah, that it, it's a subset. It's not, it's not, the, it's not the leading idea. Yeah, I mean, the gospel writers and the biblical authors could very well have, you've you got to imagine, these guys, these guys could have written things differently. God is grace. John could have written. 
He could have written that three times like you wrote God is love. But he didn't. Well, you know, what pops into my mind, too, is neither does the Bible go on and on about how horrible we all are and we need God, does it? I don't I don't think so, but I mean there certainly are there certainly are different ways in which people are called and to task on how they act, how they think, how they interact. Um but I think the 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 the, the I I think the matter would often come down to where are you? Where are you if you are in a position where you can see what you need? Or you can, or you can't see what you need, but, but where you're in a place where it seems like, um, who you are, your own, uh, if you like wrongs or the things that you have done that, uh, you regret, you wish you hadn't done, uh, that you see have been errors or caused pain, if these things are so looming up before you, then you cannot even have a sense of needing to approach God, right? I mean, if that's your position, then I think grace is the only way because love doesn't make any sense. And if that's the position you're in, then I would say focus on this idea of grace. Focus on this idea of pardon, Pardon why? So that we can put that stuff aside, the stuff that's that's totally preoccupying you. First of all, <laughs> this is the deal. This is the deal. Do not be preoccupied with the things you have done wrong. That is not the message. The message is, when if God is giving you a message, it is be preoccupied with me. Because you know what? I am freaking preoccupied with you. I have been, I am the father Brendan Manning's favorite verse, Brendan Manning's favorite verse in the, in the New Testament is the, is that, that cusp moment when the, the prodigal son, or we could say the prodigal child, right? It's, it's obviously a father-son relationship in the biblical text, but, but it need not be so. It, it, it's a, it's a, a parable that, that encompasses us all, right? So if you have, if you're a female, it, then it's a daughter relationship. You are a daughter. And if you find it difficult thinking of God as, as father, God is equally parent right? God is clearly parent. God exceeds the idea of father and encompasses both genders and more. God is more. But it's this, this one, this parent who loves you, who sees you a long way off. Why? Because they have been there. They have been waiting. They have been watching. They have been hoping for you. That's the message to get. If the only message you can take is that you are so wrong, you are so bad, what you have done is so unforgivable, what you have done is so, been so hurtful. If you are so preoccupied with that, God's first effort and need is to say, that is not the focus. It is not important to me. You are important to me. The movement between the thing that takes that from the front of your vision that is obscuring you from seeing a long way down the road the one who has been waiting for you, who is looking at you, who is waving at you, who is running towards you, that's grace. Grace can take that away. Grace can move that to the side. It doesn't make any sense, though, for grace to be the leading concept, though. It doesn't make any sense at all. Tell me about that. Well, 
<laughs> the gospel message, as I've always heard, it was all about grace. But when you're thinking about the Father in this in this parable, the, the Father's thinking about how much he loves his Son and can't wait to embrace and see his Son. Not, well, I can't wait to pardon him from all the bad stuff he did and how he just took my money and threw it away. Yeah, I know. It doesn't make but any sense at all. You're right. You're completely right. But the son's totally preoccupied with that. Until one day when he says, you know, even the people, even the servants living in my father's house have better than I have here. I will go back and to ask my father to take me in as a servant. So, no, it's not. It's, God's not interested in that. God is, God's interested in getting that out of the way. So grace is there to help get the your focus on the, these things that you've done wrong, these things that might be your entire framework for understanding yourself, they've got to shift because God does not see you that way. God's not a dummy. God sees all the things. God's hurt by those things. God sees your hurt and the hurt of others and the loss. But that's not the focus. That is not the deal. That is not what we have on the table today. And that is going forward. That's not what's on the table. God needs to get that out of the way. So what's really important is, hey, I'm running towards you with my arms wide open. I've been waiting here for you. I've been beckoning you. I've been wooing you. I've been seeking you. I've been trying to draw you, entice you, and get your attention. And here's the direction I want to go in. Here's what I want you to be involved in. I have a project far larger than what you can imagine, far more wonderful in, in, in possibility and result than you could dream of. I want you here. Yeah, I'm realizing too, this is, this, I think this really is person specific. Cause Very. As, as you're, what's that? Very, yeah. Cause as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, why, well, where, where does all this stuff come from for me? And, and for me, I think there's a long history of, quote, doing the right thing and the importance of doing the right thing and the importance of having integrity and being honest and and also kind of under the banner of if you live rightly and do these good things, then God will bless you. Not, I don't know, that, but it's just kind of this idea that, that life will turn out better if you do all the right things. And I don't know, maybe in hindsight, life has turned out better for me because I, quote, did most of the right things. But there wasn't a lot of joy and there wasn't a lot of life in that living either, which is what I'm still looking for. What do you, what do you think that's about? How, what do you mean? Well, uh, I, I don't know. And maybe, maybe I'm just asking you the question you're asking me. Why, why is it that there's not a lot of joy and a lot of life, do you think? Oh, I, oh, I see. I understand your question. <laughs> So someone else was hearing that would be like, oh, John's John's trying to dodge the hard question. Um, <laughs> no, why there's no life? Well, there's no life because there's no there's no relationship. It's it's wow. It's just about doing. It's about following the rules and the principles. And I almost was well, just thinking out loud. It it becomes or became about living the principles and avoiding pain and difficulty that would come. By not having followed the principles, yeah, I feel like that was more the orientation, which was don't have any regrets, don't make any mistakes. Well, we're going to make mistakes, but don't make any huge ones. Like, don't make any really horrible, immoral mistakes, uh, because the consequences of those, while they're forgivable, will be with you for a long, long time. So 
don't want to have any of those. So make sure that make sure you're living in such a way that that can't happen. But yeah, in the midst of of trying to make sure that all that stuff happens or doesn't happen, that's all you're really focused on. I'm just throwing it out there, but I wonder by following the rules and by doing the right things if you've been given the full set of rules and the full set of right things. And I'm not talking about more doing, but I'm coming back to the like things you're not doing, but I'm coming back to that point you had about there's no relationship. And I guess where I'm going is I wonder if the presentation of Christianity that you've received has given you enough of a sense that doing the right things, quote unquote, means being in love and being loved. Yeah, I don't think there, I don't know that that connection is there. I guess that. You're kind of doing the right things for the sake of doing the right things because doing the wrong things will lead to living in a world of hurt. And who would want to do that? I hear you. But is doing the right things in the context of the relationship. Why? So that you do not put impediments into that relationship. Sin is not a list of things we do wrong. Sin is our acts, ways of being. They're commissive, omissive, overt, ignorant, that set up boundaries and barriers and that ultimately thwart to varying degrees our ability to connect with God at the most essential levels. One, being able to receive God's love. When I do things that may be technically called sin, and I use the word technical because we're so caught, I add the adjective technical, not because I don't believe in the idea, but because we have so misconceived of it. God says, do not sin. Why? It's completely tied in with, I love you. You take yourself away from me. The inevitable consequences of those actions are to cause rupture in our relationship. And I don't want it. I won't have it. When you love somebody deeply, the last thing you want is for them to leave. When you see children and the parents leave the room, infants, their security, their, their understanding, their understanding is a, perhaps a, an anachronism. I don't know that there's much understanding going on, but there's a sense of attachment and a sense of rightness of the world with the world that fades and is threatened when that proximity grows. And what the whole idea of, of, of not sinning and of doing the right things is to, pro- what to, is to promote the relationship. It's to cause that relationship to deepen and to continue to flourish. If that relationship isn't the, the, the polar star when we are thinking about right and wrong, how to act, what the rules are. You know, and I use rules in, in you know, air, air quotation marks because it's not rules, Right. These are ways of living that promote right relationship, ways of existence that cause me to thrive as me as I am living within a relationship, a love relationship with God, where I trust God who knows me better than myself and therefore has my best interests at heart. So if this is not the model we have for our Christianity, then I think you know, um, 
I don't know of any other more honest way to say it. I, I, I'm not sure how that really differs from the Judaic principles of law and understanding God through law, which, you know, for many Christians is absolutely uh, terrible. It's considered to be theologically the greatest misconception we can have, and clearly Paul writes against it uh, in many places and with great vigor and with not without good reason. So when I hear you saying that, my first thought is, where's the relationship component? Why isn't that coming first? Following the rules outside of the context of being in right relationship with God, right how? A love relationship based on truth, based on the truth of who God is, the truth of God's deep understanding of who I am, God's deep knowledge of me as a person. If that is not there as the polar star, then there's no way that... there. Let me put it this way. There is every chance, every risk, I will misconstrue the sense, reason, direction, purpose of the quote-unquote rules, of quote-unquote what I'm supposed to do. It becomes following through on, uh, you you lose your direction. It's going to happen. And then you're wandering around. You're like, what am I doing here? Why isn't this working? Well, first of all, working is devoid of context and meaning. Working, nothing's working because there, you, the, where's the relationship? You know, it's, it's, <clears throat> the question really should be, how do I enter this relationship? How do I keep it going? How do I make it better? Right? It's like points on a line graph and they're going up. Starting, keeping it going, making it better. What's involved? in me doing that? What's involved in doing that in a marriage? What's involved in doing that in a friendship? You know, being open, being attentive, caring. You know, you enter marriage relationships and friendships. Those are choice relationships. They're not family relationships. In in the majority of, of, of the, you know, 21st century world, you choose your friends, you choose your marriage partners, and you do so for certain reasons. But, you know, often love care, mutual interest, all those types of things are there. God has got all of that. Those, those things are, 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 are found with God and more so in the, su- you know, in the superlative. So, I mean, I've, that's a lot of me talking. What, what do you think about that? <laughs> no, I think it's so subtle, but it's so, be- it's so much better. It, it makes so much more sense to me. I feel like it has a real practical, possible, potential outcome which is your whole idea of, you know, is this is this helping my relationship or hindering it? Hmm. And so as I'm trying to be open and perceptive to God being present in my life, I really li- I really like this idea of is instead of is what I'm doing right or wrong is it immoral or not you know would Jesus go to this movie or not is this a Christian movie or a Christian book or is it not it's I really like this idea of is what I'm doing helping in this regard or not and even this Mm. has nothing to do with what we're talking about but it it, so I subscribe to Netflix Mm -hmm. and I don't have cable TV and we, we have what we call able TV, whatever the rabbit huh. ears are able to receive and we watch it like once a year for the Super mm-hmm. Bowl or something. So I've subscribed to Netflix and so a lot of these long running series like Breaking Bad or um, 
Breaking Bad, House of Cards, some of these others. Mm-hmm. I started I I was like, well, everyone's always talking about these shows. I'm going to watch them. So anyway, the the most recent one that I started to watch and stopped watching was Mad Men. Huh. It's about ad agencies in New York in the '60s, and kind of interesting to me because I'm in marketing. Right. Well, what I find in watching these shows is they're all fairly. And again, I'm not here to say no. You shouldn't watch them. They're whatever. But I'm finding for myself that they tend to have a very dark. Not dark. They're not inspirational. They're not uplifting. It's just drama after drama of these people's lives falling apart. Mm. (laughs) And realizing for myself that while they're very engaging and almost somewhat addictive in terms of like what is going to happen in the next episode, like what? (laughs) (laughs) Or And sometimes I'm just, I feel like I watch them as a bystander, like... This is so like creative. Like, how did someone think of this script and that the you know this plot is so tangled and it's somewhat believable? This is amazing. Like, how did someone come up with this? But mm-hmm. what I find for myself is, you know, what when I watch a bunch of these in a row or even on their own, I yeah, it's an escape from whatever I was thinking about or whatever. And so, in some ways, it was a it was a nice break, but it doesn't leave me in a real sunny. Uh, optimistic. I don't mm-hmm. find for myself that it leaves me in a better frame of mind than maybe when I started watching. That's all mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. And I'm only saying that it's person specific too, specific mm-hmm. to me. So tying that back to, yeah, what are the things that I'm doing that are either helping or hindering? Uh, I think they can be very subtle and I think they're very person specific. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of any number of people that you and I would have met at Labrie that have probably watched every single episode of all of those series and could, you know, talk about at length about all the redeeming, profound ideas that were discussed in those episodes. Yeah. To which I would say, okay, <laughs> I'm glad that that was... I respect that there was meaning that you found there and that it wasn't counterproductive to you the, the way that maybe it was counterproductive to me. Well put. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't think I've ever said this before, but um, in an episode, I think this is an important episode. I think this is really, I mean, I think that our subject matter is important anyways, but I think we've both put out a lot of really important points here and also drawn a lot of strings together. Hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad you you raised this and, and it, it, it really hadn't been apparent to me before and and I guess, you know, maybe it helps me be more sympathetic when I hear somebody and all they can focus on is grace. Because maybe what that's saying is I am still so preoccupied with some of these things. The impact on me and on others is so great that I am really, really focused on grace. Um, I would still say the same thing. Grace is not the focus. Love is the focus, and truth is the focus. These two things are the foci, the two dual focal points, above all others. But how long it takes us to get there, you know, that's another question. And and I think I personally need to keep that in mind when I'm talking to people. You know, I don't, I don't, I very, I would never, I don't think I ever have <laughs> said to somebody, oh, you know, grace is, grace is good, but love's better, <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
You're spending uh, way too much on that gray stuff. Yeah, I've, I've <laughs> never, I've never done that because I mean, we'd have to get to a real. Uh, I would have to know a lot about them. But even when I hear people now, and when I hear, uh, it just, it just opens up my my eyes a little bit more to to other possibilities and other possible reasons as to to why there's there's such an emphasis there, and uh, I think that's important. But the tricky thing, like so much of this, is is how subtle the difference is. It, yeah, that's so. I don't know. This all seems profound to me. Maybe other people listening are just like, whatever, guys. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, the, but saying that grace is a subset of love just makes so many things a lot clearer for me. That's great. And it's not saying, and I'll, I'll, I guess I want to say one more time, if grace has been a profound experience and a profound thing that has connected you to God, like, hold on to it. I'm not trying to discount that or say that it can't be that way for you. Kind of like when we started this whole thing way back in episode one, and I think I put it on my blog, you know, coming from a business background, you know, they they talk about when you, often people create a startup to solve a problem that they're having. Mm. Because the idea is, well, if I'm having this problem, someone else is. So that's kind of what I'm, that's kind of how this episode started and kind of where I guess where it's ending, which is this is the lens that I'm seeing the world through and I'm trying to clear off a little bit of a little bit more of the glass so I can see through it a little more clearly and hoping hoping at the same time that it's helping someone else that's coming from a similar perspective. I agree with you. If if grace is important to you, don't let it go. But I think I would I would continue to say the message, put out that message that you know, grace I believe is a subset of love. And this isn't just a technical point. It's a point that impacts people relationally and practically in their everyday lives enormously. And so if grace is really important to you, perhaps the question is, how much more important may love be if grace is a subset of love? If grace is a mode of love's expression? If grace is a way of preparing you for love, of opening you to the possibility of love, how much more important might the investigation of love be for you? And, you know, um, uh, the flip side of that could be if you are focusing on grace and things aren't working out for you, if you believe in grace and yet there's a degree of dissatisfaction, uh, there's a lack of fulfillment, there is... um, the sense of purpose does not seem to be ringing true in terms of what it means for you to be a Christian in your life. My hunch would be you need to move in the direction of love. How do you do that? For anyone whose focus is on grace, ask God. Say, you know, I'm wondering about love. I'm wondering about the fact that the greatest commandment is to love you entirely. And then subsequent commands are, love myself rightly and love my neighbor likewise. I'm wondering about the fact that you are not characterized as grace, but as love, right? As a substantive, we read that, you know, there's grace that's that's offered to us, but God is not grace. God is love, right? Which is fuller, large, fuller, larger sense of God's character is, is, is related to love than it is to grace. Ask God about that. Pray about that. 
ask God to, to, you know, um, bring insights, to uh, offer possibilities for practical understandings of what this could be. And if if you feel like you're stuck or if you feel like there's more and you're kind of just flailing and unable to get it, Say, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for this relationship to work. And I know I make some negative contributions sometimes, but is the way I'm approaching things without intending to be negative, is that having an impact? And if so, guide me into terms of a better way of approaching. That's how I would, that's how I would kind of position it. And I wonder, I'll just drop this and we probably should wrap soon. I wonder if we get so stuck on sin and how bad we are. Oh yeah. That we can't get to the love part. Like it's like it's like the we have to we have to stay focused on how bad we are because in other words because this is gonna, how God sees us? Well, I don't know if you're going to... It's kind of like if you're going to err in one direction or the other, you sure as heck don't want to get too carried away with love. I mean, because that, <laughs> that, I mean, then people aren't accountable for their actions and kind of the idea of, you know, grace taken too far means you can just do whatever you want. You can't do that in a love relationship. You can't, you can't <laughs> treat the other party any way you want to. <laughs> See, right. love right. against that notion, love provides controls. It provides boundaries. It provides, you know, a, a firm kind of a, go, do not go beyond this line. I mean, how would you feel if God treated you that way? Well, you feel pretty crappy, so why would you treat God that way? How would you feel if you treated your spouse that way? If she, she treated, you know, if your spouse treated you that way, well, why would you treat him or her that way? You know, and as adults, we can make those those assessments. We can sort of, in a certain way, step into another person's shoes or empathize with their situation. So love provides boundaries. Love provides a sense of uh, limit, you know, as well as uh, opening us to possibilities. So I think I think yeah, I think you're dead on about the whole the whole sin thing and the thinking we're so bad. But but it sounds scan- I'm sure it sounds scandalous to just say, oh yeah, we we just need to. Stop forgetting about how bad we are and really let's just think about love. Well, yeah, but in the context of that, don't <laughs> don't sin. Don't right. do those things because right. you're in love with that person. Why would you want to hurt them? Why would you want to say – why would you want to do something then that means you, you're taking time away from them, that you are further at, at a further distance from them, that you understand them less, that you're putting up obstacles in terms of your own way of accepting the goodness that they're offering to you. You wouldn't. So it's not about, it's, it is about, you know, don't act in ways that create problems, but it's, you know, you're not focusing on the problems because you're enjoying the relationship. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So leave a comment on the website at untanglingchristianity.com slash 35. If you'd like to be notified by email when new episodes are released or other news, subscribe to our mailing list, also available in the right sidebar of the website. We welcome your questions, comments, or suggested future discussion topics by email. Send those to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod over at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. 
tune in next week for a new episode.